This week we're going to do things slightly differently. And we're going to ask Andrew who's going to share something which is on his heart. And, and out of that he's going to take us to the table. And we'll see what happens. What the Lord does. Morning. You know, it's, it's dangerous to go and share something with your minister. You end up here and your name on the front page, you know. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, son of God. You know, we're doing this disciple thing, and it's, it's around this uh, that this has happened. Uh, let me just remind you of a little story. You know that thing about a car accident where you've got two people standing on either side of the street and there's red cars involved in an accident. They get to court and the one person swears on the Bible, this car came from the left at high speed and the other one swears on the Bible, it came from the right at high speed. They were both right. How do you judge that? It's the truth. They both came from different directions. They saw the same thing in a different way. Well, this little thing started out in a strange thing. One morning at a quiet time, I was sitting there, and what happened, I thought, the mushrooms that I had for breakfast on toast, were they the right mushrooms that I ended up thinking this, this vision, this thing that came in? But what it was, I found myself sitting there, and all of a sudden I saw rope coming down from the balcony to different parts of the congregation. And I followed this back up, and I saw it was Jesus. And you know the puppeteers where they dance it around? And that was what it was. It was him feeding into this body. At that time, it looked as if it was the house groups. And as it went on, I had the feeling that what it was, with this discipleship, there's going to be so many things that are uncomfortable. Joe spoke about that. That my encouragement out of that came for Mary Ellen and Alan, because they're going to get some strong feedback about this is not right. You know, that's uncomfortable. Should that be happening? And I thought they needed encouragement to understand that it's just one part of the body with what they saw. They saw the car coming from the right. The other people saw it coming from the left. It's all right. But to carry on doing what you're doing because it's the right thing to do. It's a story. You know, because we, you know, remember when uh, Zalani got us to move around? You know, you got comfortable in your place. Go move somewhere else. I'm sure there was some mumbling there. I'm not going to do that. That's fine. That was you. And it developed into this part about the reading. If you read that uh, scripture on the front of the page, it's beautiful. The different parts of the body. Some of us are heads. Some of us are feet. Some of us are hands. And so on and so on. God created us that way. created us differently. It's us understanding what's happening, looking at it from the other point of view, looking at it from our point of view, and understanding what's going to come out of this lot. 
I think that we should be encouraged to give feedback to Alan and Mary Ellen, what you see, so that they understand what's happening here, that they can get a picture of how you feel. You know, because they carry a load, really do. And we need to look after them and feed them the sort of thing back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Now, part two, the following day, I sat there thinking about this. And it came again. And again, I saw the same vision, the rope coming down. But this time, what I saw was the individual, you and me, you and me, and what we've got to do. You know, in that reading out of Corinthians, we are different. We have different needs. But we also have different talents as well. And the one thing I love about this body is that. It's crazy. Hey? I mean, some of them are ridiculous. You think, I can't go to church with somebody that does that. I mean, we had a minister once that dressed up as a bumblebee. Who does that? I never see Alan doing that. But to get Alan to lead praise and worship? No, that won't work. Because it's not his job. It's not his job. It's Mary Ellen's job to do that. Yeah. But what is your talent? What is my talent? What are we putting into this congregation? What are we doing in this discipleship? How are we fitting into this picture? God is in our lives. It's God that's doing it. It's God that's at the other end of the rope that's tied to my hand or tied to my foot or whatever it is. And the other glorious thing about that is, as a body, you remember the triangle? The closer you get to God, the closer we get to each other. We need each other. We really do. I need your talents. And you need my talents, whatever I've got. You know, we've heard so many things. Jockey spoke about the wrong plan. Joe talked about the different cultures. I mean, really? When the Africans are leading praise and worship, it is noisy. It is everything. And I know somebody's complained about that. But they're both right. The youth are a foot. The complainer is a hand. So it, it's right. That's what I'm trying to say. Everything is right. You know, came from the left, came from the right. They're both right. The problem starts to come when we think we are right and they are wrong. That's where it goes funny. And that's what should not happen. We should go with the flow, understanding that some days we're going to go, no, don't like that. That's fine. It's not your day. It's the other person's day. Right? Am I? Yeah. We're here because we're part of God's plan. It's God's plan. It's not our plan. It's his plan. So if he's going to be loud music on that Sunday, that's the way it's going to work. Sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, go for it. I love it. I must admit, I do. Discipleship. Doing all this discipleship made me a better person because I feed off of what you put into my life. And we need that as well. You know, that's the way it works. Uh, I thought about Microsoft, you know, a bit like a Microsoft program, Windows. It works brilliantly. 
It really does. It was designed wonderfully and it keeps getting improved and improved. But you suddenly get a virus and it goes all wrong. That's sin in our lives. And the discipleship that we get within that helps us through those periods, helps us through those tough times. There's people here that will carry you through that. The other thought was how many of us are here this morning because somebody spoke to us about Jesus. And you go back to Joe when he made us stand up and you know promise to speak to somebody. How many of us stood up because everybody else did? No ways we're going to do that. Yeah, that's fine. That's right. Came from the left, came from the right. But how many of us are here, and I think all of us, right? Because somebody spoke to us about Jesus. And that's what it's all about. Again, is that. You're such a brilliant bunch of people. To stand up here and look at all your faces is wonderful. So my encouragement was that. The rope that comes down is from Jesus. We have a purpose. He has a plan. We just need to work with that. We need to be discipled. We need to disciple as well. But the encouragement to you two is put up with us, please. Keep going. We're a pain in the whatever. And I'm sure we are to one another as well. We can always find somebody in this congregation that we avoid. Come on. We come from the right. We come from the left. We're both right. There are some we clash with and some we don't. Think of the apostles. Look at the bunch of characters there. Why did Jesus do that? How did it work? He did it because he needed that diversity. I mean, all the Gospels are different because everybody had a different plan. The left and the right. They had an opinion. They came from a different background. He knew what he was doing. He really did. Why did it work? Why will this work? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. They sat with him. They listened to him. And it all came from him. So we end up with the Gospels. We end up with all the different stories. Because one saw it from the left. One saw it from the right. We're both right. Nobody's wrong. Nobody's wrong. That's what I've got to share. Short, sharp. Now he wanted to lead me to lead you to the table because I had another little thing that I shared. So be careful what you do with your minister. The Last Supper, on the day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was accustomed to uh, get together Passover and, uh, and to uh, celebrate the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, what do you want us to do? Make preparations for the eat of, eat of the Passover. So he sent them, he sent two of the disciples, telling them, go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house, he enters. The teacher asked, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left went into the city, found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared for the Passover.
Last time I, I was privileged to lead you to the table, you know, I spoke about how Jesus, what Jesus went through to get to the table. I pondered on that one. Then the thing I had started to ponder on was why did he have it around the table? Why not a braai? I mean, because they braied, didn't they? They did the fish on the side of the lake. Why didn't they do a braai? Why was it at the table? And I thought, well, a braai, what you'll get is someone like Neil Holly doing the fire, Bob Catling with a beer, and the women are in the kitchen doing all the other preparations. But a table, we sit down. And some of the happiest memories I have as a large family are Christmas time, when you sit around a table. Right? And I think Amanda really knows that well from these last few weeks when she had so much fun with her family around a table. Yeah. Because we get there. We, we, are, we are now sitting at a table. We don't move around. We, we've got close contact. You know, it isn't the women in the kitchen, as I said. You know, there's no contact there. Around a table, we get together. We start to talk to Auntie Jane, who we haven't seen for four years, or we talk to Uncle Nob, who, you know, is a pain. But, you know, it's Christmas. Let's have fun. Again, left and right, right and wrong. But the table is something where we all get together. We celebrate. We sit around. We get close to each other. And this is a family, one family. And we're going to gather around this table as a family because we are destined to be surrepted church, a family under that. So, Lord, we gather around this table. We gather under your umbrella. We gather around your love. We gather around your mercy and grace. And we gather around each other. So, Father God, as we come to this table, I pray that you bless us as a family, that we get to know each other, to understand each other, to be a family, a family of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your shed blood, your broken body, that we can become family, we can become children of God, that we are your children. So we rejoice in that. And so come, come as the family of God and feast and feast on what Jesus has done. The the word that Amanda sang over and over about the lamb being seated, there is a sense that Jesus is seated. He's not madly rushing around saying things have gone wrong. He's seated. He's seated next to his father. Everything, he's got everything. So come, knowing that he's got your life, whatever you're facing today, Whatever issues you've got, he's got those issues. And come and feed on him. I cannot bear celery. I cannot bear moss. I enjoy lemon meringue pie. The word of God says, forbear one another in love.
The Lord was talking to us, uh, my wife and myself, the last couple of days, weeks, and we took up the table now, and um, you were just showing me that when Jesus washed the disciples' feet at the Last Supper in the upper room, basically, when he washed Judas's feet, he actually knew already, obviously, that Judas is about to betray him. And he's just been showing us as a family to have so much forgiveness, so much love for others, that we don't have to say a word, that when we go to work, we don't even have to say a single word. People will know by your love and your yeah. humility yeah. that you are following Christ. Mm-hmm. And just, um, yeah, it was just showing me that as Jesus was naked, washing the disciples' feet, he just showed me a, a big, big picture there of um, that little things we have with people in the world. I know there's one or two people in my life which I'd rather move, go to the other side of the road, <laughs> things, <laughs> things like that. Um, and God must just forgive me. And um, it's just it's asking us to really think about life and about Jesus' example. So God has put us in families. We have earthly families. We have uh, the family of God that meets at 11 Old Main Road, Gillets, that meets in home cells, that scatters and goes to preach the gospel to be Jesus to a world which is without hope, which needs Jesus. God calls us to family. In Genesis chapter 12, we read Abraham being called. And what does the Lord say to him? He said, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And it's about family. It's about the families out there being blessed because of you and I. We are the family of God that meets here. We are part of something much bigger than ourselves. There are, there are families meeting uh, just down the road in Stockville. There's families meeting in the Presbyterian Church on, on the Old Main Road in Hillcrest and in Ananda Road at City Hill. The family of God is gathering together. We are all one family and we have, the, we have a father who loves us. And as, well, as I look at, at, look at the blessings that flow from walking with Jesus, you and I are blessed not so much just so that we can be blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. Wherever we go, we bring the blessings of Jesus. And the scripture here says, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. 
Do you believe that? Do you believe what the scripture says about us? As we're looking at this, 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 this topic, and it's a, it's a large topic and a vast to- topic of discipleship and being disciples and walking with Jesus. And we wanna, we, I want to I wanna be like Jesus. I want to be conformed into his image. I'm sure there are a few of you out there also who want to be conformed into his image. You want to reflect the Father's love. And we do reflect the Father's love. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Isn't that amazing? I don't have to even try. It's there. I've just got to let it live out. For me, the most amazing thing about the new covenant is the new covenant is an internal mechanism by which we live. In the old covenant, we had rules and regulations. There was nothing wrong with the rules and regulations. What was wrong was that we couldn't obey them. We messed up. We didn't love our love as we should do. We murdered. We did all those things. And we all fall short of the glory of God. And so God's plan was the new covenant. A covenant which He came and put His Spirit in us. He gave you and I a new heart. He gave you and I a new identity. We are no longer aliens. We are loved by God. Do you know today that you are loved by God? As I said earlier, the cross declares today that you are loved. Know that. Go out into this week knowing that you are loved. Knowing that the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts. And serve those around us. Serve this family. The family that gathers here. Andrew's picture. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Colleen, last week, plans to bring you a hope and a, and a, and a destiny, etc., etc., God's plans will be fulfilled in your life. Listen to him. Listen to the, 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 the puppeteer. Listen to God. Listen to your father showing you which way to go, showing me which way to go. Listening to him. Listen to him. Jesus, what did he do? He came first and foremost. I mean, he came to do many things. He came to do away with sin. He came to... Uh, uh, Push back the darkness. He came to show us the Father. But one of the things he did come to do was to, to serve. And we as the family of God are called to service. We are called to serve each other. And Jesus models it. Neil just shared that story about washing the feet. That was the scripture that I was going to turn to. About washing the feet. Jesus who created the heavens and the universe, who had, uh, who, who was part of, who was part of the, the Trinity. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he, was, he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. That's what he came to do. He came to wash the disciples' feet. He came to wash your feet and my feet. At Amy's wedding, 
just 10 days or nearly two weeks ago, two weeks ago yesterday, hey. One of the things that Joel did was he took a bowl of water, he took a towel, and he washed Amy's feet at the ceremony. That we are called to serve. We are called to serve one another. We're called to lay down our lives for each other. And when you consider this, this, this amazing thing that Jesus did, He knew He was about to go. He knew He was about to go to a bloody cross. He knew where He had come from. He knew that He was going back to God. What did he do? He washed his disciples' feet. That's what we are called to We are called to serve. Jesus in Matthew 20, verse 26 says, But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be your leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. As disciples, that's what you and I are called to. We are called to be servants. We are called to give our lives for others. We are called to lay down our lives. I love that scripture. We always quote it. We quote it quite often recently. They overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and, and the word of their testimonies and loved not their lives unto death. We like the first couple of parts. We overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. We're not so sure about laying down our lives for others. But that's who we are called to do. That's what we are called to do as disciples. And we're called to do it here in this community. First and foremost, if we want to preach the gospel... How do we do it? We love one another. This is not rocket science. Jesus said there's two things we've got to do. Love the Lord of God with all our heart, soul, and mind. First thing. That's what we're called to do. We're called to love Him with everything we've got. And the question I have to keep asking myself, am I doing that? Am I loving my Lord with everything I've got? When I come to worship, are there other things on my mind and, and, and thoughts? And am I distracted by the things of life, by the cares of life, by the worries of this world? Or am I loving the Lord my God with all my heart? And so that's what the Lord is calling us to do. And then He's calling us to love our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, even love our enemy. That's, that's stretching it a bit far, but let's just stick with our neighbor. Let's just start with our neighbor. If we love Jesus... And we, that means we're going to love each other. Not with our love, but with the love that's been shared abroad in our hearts. With the new heart and the new, and the new mind and the new spirit that we've been given. As we are being transformed into His image. And so we are called. We are called simply to love. And where does transformation talk, take place? Where does this transformation take place where I become more like Jesus? Well, it takes place in life, in the circumstances of life. It takes place in a, in a community, in the family. 
I was listening to, uh, who was the guy I was listening to? Amy, you know? Banning, Banning Leafshire. He heads quite a large church in, uh, in Sacramento. And he was talking about, about church uh, being family and not a business. And he likened it to his, his own family. And he, he came from a family which was, which was very small. I think it was just a sister and him. And, and Christmas time was, you know, it's always exciting. Christmas is always exciting. And they would open their presents and they would each open them individually one by one. And they would discuss the present and how good it was and how wonderful it was. And yes, that tie, that color really suits you, etc., etc. And they, they were quite a, a conservative family. And then he started dating a lady who became his wife. And he went to the first Christmas there. And this was chaotic. There were like 40 or 50 people. There was, there was uncles and aunts and step, steps and this. And there were just like it was... It was just a, a lot of people. And then the, his, his, his uh, girlfriend said, this is my brother. And, you, and she said, he said, you never told me you had a brother? Oh, no, he, he's not really. He, he came about five or six Christmases ago. He came and he just came to our, uh, our gathering. And he, and he never, never stopped coming. And so we, we, he's our brother. We, we just include him in, in part of the family. And then when they, uh, they had uh, time to open the presents, what happened? Everybody opened the presents at the same time. There was none. And, and, and Banning was just like panicky. I'm opening my present. You're meant to be discussing my present. Each family does things differently. And that's what Colleen Phillipson was was saying last week, was showing that the different families that meet here, this different cultures, cultures, different backgrounds that meet here, do things differently. And it's, what's it, your, your thing, left or right. just depends which way you look at it. But everybody has, just has a different way of doing things. And so we are called to serve the family of God. And banning... Uh, Related another wonderful story. And there was a story of how at the first Christmas he got given a task. And his task was the amazing job of peeling potatoes. In her family, when he went to her family. So now he's been given the potato peeler and he's peeling potatoes. And he said 20 years later, his job is still peeling potatoes. He's now the senior pastor of a big church. He's an author. He's a, you know, an amazing, gifted orator. And yet in the family, he peels potatoes. And it's not the most exciting job. I don't know. I peel potatoes quite often. Because I love potatoes. And I'm going to have potatoes whether my wife makes them or not. And I'm going to peel them. And the potato peeler doesn't get any accolades at the end of the day saying how well you peeled the potato. You just do it. 
And that's what Banning said. He said after many years, sometimes the thoughts would go through his mind because his potatoes went into this amazing stew, which uh, probably Andrew Carr was the one who would have made it, and it had wine and potatoes and, and all, uh, all the ingredients. And uh, uh, Andrew would get all, everybody would come to Andrew and say, Andrew, you are the most amazing chef. You are incredible. That was tasty. And there old, poor old Benning would be thinking, I peeled the potatoes. That, that would be nothing without my potatoes. And it's just a beautiful illustration is that we all have a part to play. We all have a part to play in this, in this feast, in being family. Because God is interested in family. Right from the very beginning, He's put us in families. In Ephesians 2, it says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Just let that, let that sink in. I want you to go, go home and think about that. You are members of God's family. Together we are His house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. The cornerstone is Jesus. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. Where does God live? In the family of God. In each of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, each of us, and collectively, even more so. That we gather here, we need to be a, a family that, as Jonathan says, we forbear one another. Sometimes, family doesn't get it right. Anybody here's family gets it right all the time. Not my best altar call. But we love because they are family. And that's what the Lord requires us to do. And transformation takes place in the family. God is not redeeming himself to himself. Employees. He's redeeming sons and daughters. You and I are sons and daughters of the King. I don't know whether anybody's here has been for lunch or breakfast with Joe Morris. I'm sorry, Joe's not here, but I can drop him even more now. But Americans love good service. And if you go to America, everything happens as it should. You go to restaurants and they get good service. But when uh, Joe comes here sometimes, and he doesn't like tomatoes, like you don't like broccoli, celery. Well, I don't like broccoli as well. And turnips. <laughs> and Brussels sprouts. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So he orders a breakfast, and with, but without 
the tomatoes. And so often, the tomatoes still come. And he has to push them aside. And he gets grumpy. Where's the service? We are oh. <laughs> I didn't order tomatoes. I mean, some people just don't ever go back to those restaurants ever again. Some people make a fuss and make a big, big, big nonsense. But sometimes we have the same thing with church. We don't get what we think the church should give us, should dish up. Oh, that person talked for too long. I'll try not to today. So we must not approach this house, this family, like we approach the restaurant. Imagine if I go home now. Now I walk home and I sit down at the table and wait and wait. And then I say, is anybody going to get me a drink? Amy would say, get your own. Anthony wouldn't even hear it because he's got his heads and... Oh, my little wife would come running. That's my treves. <laughs> no, at home, I'd get my own drink. It's not a restaurant. Although I do, I must admit. I must admit <laughs> that I get fed amazingly. That in actual fact, my home is not like a restaurant. It's actually better than a restaurant. The food I get is far better. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> I just ruined it. So let's not approach fellowship as consumers, because we are Western, Western very much, many of us here have been Westernized, and we think, this is what church should offer me, but let's serve, let's be the family that sees the dishes are, are dirty, and washes them. Let's chip in, let's have fun, let's enjoy, let's enjoy this walk where you and I are transformed into the image of Jesus, where you and I become more like Jesus as we serve each other and walk with each other and challenge each other and forbear with one another and go the extra mile with each other. So let's be family. Let's be the family who meet at 11 Old Main Road, Gillis. Let the people out there See the family dynamic. See the love we have for each other. Because they will be drawn to that. I've got some a friend that I go and meet with on a regular basis in a very fancy upmarket townhouse. And mom and dad are together and they love their boys. And you would think, in these upmarket 
townhouse complexes. That all the parents would be like that, would be loving and caring. But you know what? It doesn't happen. It's not always. And they're finding that some of the kids of the neighboring homes are drawn to their home. Why? Because they see authentic family happening. They're seeing a father that loves their sons. And they want that. And that's what we are to the world. We are a family that love each other, that care for each other. So let's pray.